Good evening, Nofos. How are we all doing? Evening all. We're obviously joined this week by Tom Avil Hibbard. Hey, Dan. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> Frontline events have already been cheeky. They've already said, looking looking at the watch. <laughs> 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 Dead on eight. So, yeah, thanks, oh. Frontline. <laughs> Uh, hi James, hi Mr. Meat. Oh, he's, he's upgraded himself. That sounds. No, nice. no, no, whoa, 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 Mr. Meat. No, 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 no. That that wasn't discussed. That could be changed back. <laughs> uh, Nick, Danny, Kieran, Harry, Ryan, Andy, and Les. How are we all doing, gents? Oi, 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 gentlemen. Evening all. So we're obviously joined by Tom this week. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, well, all sorts of weird and wonderful stuff. I'd imagine. I can see us diving down into some proper rabbit holes. Um, <laughs> if anyone's got any questions for Tom, throw them in the chat, and we can uh, we can sort of pop through those as we go through. But Tom, do you want to introduce yourself? Tell, tell us who you are, how you got into airsoft, what are your favourite cheeses, something like that. You know, uh, Stilton. Yes, uh, my man. I live in I live in I live just next to Stilton, Stilton County, um, in the UK. So, Mike, I'm Tom Hibbard. That's me. Um, I'm currently a just call it a content creator. That's what I do. So I make videos, articles, adverts, uh, and other and other such stuff, largely for Airsoft, but for some other stuff as well. My background is I'm a product design engineer. So I studied at Glasgow University. I've got a degree in product design engineering. And I spent 16 years at Games Workshop in Nottingham. Nice. Uh, so I've worked as a magazine designer, as a packaging designer, as a hazardous products designer, as a product designer, I did. Um, if anyone's familiar with Games Workshop's, uh, Games Workshop's Citadel line, I had a large hand in the kind of reimagining of everything to do with Citadel. So the Citadel stuff was the paintbrushes and the paints and the carry cases and the tools and all of that stuff. I did all of that stuff as the senior designer for that team for about ten years. Uh, I left in 2016 um, through some disagreements with the progression of the company, but. Let's not go into that too much. And uh, I then was picked up by Airsoft Action as a kind of technical writer. So I did, and I handled some of the kind of technical articles for Airsoft Action. As we'll go into how Anvil Airsoft came about. Mm, yeah, um, okay, so um, my view of Airsoft differs from the kind of the main commercial market. And Airsoft, Act Airsoft Action as, as a magazine has to cater to the masses. And the way I like airsoft didn't really kind of correlate with the way airsoft action needed to market that magazine so ultimately um i took the youtube channel which we'd started with airsoft action and i in, in a very harmonious way with the editor and we decided that because i'd created it and designed it and actually hosted it and ran it i would take that with me and harmony you know airsoft airsoft action tv and anvil airsoft tv sound very similar so that was all very nice we didn't have to uh, change anything much and i took it off and did my own thing, really. So that's a very short, uh, short story version of what happened. Um, so that's my background. So I'm a, I'm a product design engineer. Ultimately, I spent a lot of time designing products with the, in the Far East uh, or for Far East production. So I've got a really good handle on what it needs for production materials, all that sort of stuff. So I can I bring all that sort of stuff into Airsoft as well when I look at a, an Airsoft product. Well, I have the first nice. question, just very quickly. What What is a hazardous product engineer? Uh, well, a hazardous product. So it was glues, glues, sprays, solvents, 
all of that sort of stuff. So developing those products, so stuff to stick toy soldiers together, stuff to spray toy soldiers with, anything which oh, is Nick in the chat there will be all over this because he's a tabletop gamer, so he'll um, <laughs> yeah. anything, anything, anything set on fire explode. Basically, I was I was um, had a, had a hand <laughs> in as well. I also cool. did a lot of um, risk risk assessment and hazardous product assessment and toy safety and regulation stuff as well, which also come come kind of comes in quite useful when you're dealing with this sort of subject. Oh, fair play, mate. So with, um, so with the Airsoft then, um, with Tom, did you get into Airsoft as a player, sort of taking it up as a hobby to start with, or did you go in from it looking at the actual kit and equipment and sort of the product development sort of side of things? Or was you sort of like a player first and it sort of grew into more of an interest for you like that? So when I, I, so I joined, go back to Games Workshop, I joined Games Workshop in 2001 and Games Workshop had a team I was developing a team called the Lenten First and Only. So if anyone's familiar with some of the Games Workshop Black Library novels, there's a series called Gaunt's Ghosts, which is the Tanith First and Only, um, about a regiment of Imperial Guard crusading through the galaxy. But they're, they're, they're the last of their kind because their planets have been destroyed. So we took the name. Games Workshop's based in Lenten, Nottingham, so we turned into the Lenten First and Only. Um, and I joined that kind of sports and social team in 2001 and that's when i started playing effectively mm -hmm. i was you know i'd always been into war movies and books and novels and and commando comics and all that sort of stuff and there was yeah, a yeah. group email that went around when come and shoot guns at people wearing cool kit hey <laughs> and, it, and, it wasn't, time. and it wasn't paintball <laughs> or it wasn't nerf or it wasn't laser quest it wasn't all that kind of stuff and what got me excited was pick up a you know a realistic looking firearm not that term existed at the time but pick up a you know something that looks like a real gun that i've seen in the movies or read about in a book and dress up in reasonably real looking stuff and then go and have a good time shooting at our mates and then have a beer afterwards and that was kind of the sports and social thing for games workshop and actually it worked brilliantly because we went out playing with up to 1.45 other other people from games workshop from across the departments and areas of the business and then those relationships actually sustained for 15 16 years i could still go and talk to people so it was a really really valuable thing um and my first game was at phoenix woodland in mansfield which is not their not their current site it was another site uh, near an old mill um and i remember what, what are the first the, and the first the first airsoft gun i ever shot was um was an ak 47s with a folding stock but a maria one so it was all bendy and plastic and kind of moved a lot <laughs> Play, nice. So yeah, 20, 21 years now. I'm a, I'm a mid one. I've been about six or seven years, I suppose, into in the airsoft scene, if you like. <laughs> yeah, so I'm probably I'm probably more into it than you are. I think, aren't I? I oh, you've definitely like been about. You've 11. been around the block a few more times than I have, love. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Lars. to prove it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Tom. Um, there's a bit of love for you going on in the chat. So Terry uh, says, Tom, I enjoy watching your channel. A good and honest opinion. Um, uh, Andy says, hi, Tom. Welcome to the madhouse that we call the NoFo home. Nick says, Mike, I'm going to have to grow a beard. Yep. You are. You, need to get, you do need to get that on point. You, know. <laughs> you need to get rid of them cats. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Uh, Les says, never heard of this young man or his channel. I'm keen to know. So tell, tell us more about Anvil Airsoft. Like, what, what sort of stuff do you do? Okay, so let's go back to where it started. So, because that kind of helps explain where we are now. So it started off as Airsoft Action TV. And it effectively, four, four or five years ago now, we pitched to the editor of Airsoft Action Magazine, um, Nigel, 
that we wanted to move into some new media. It was probably way past the time, but we wanted to do it anyway. This is myself and, and Gadge, who I, you'll see a lot of on the channel. And initially, it started off as effectively me and him behind a desk talking about the articles that we'd written within the magazine and just expanding them on expanding on them a little bit or talking people through the new issue. So we'd get the new issue a couple of days before. We'd film a few episodes, talk about the magazine or talk about our articles and then show that to the world just as a bit of promotion. And we did that for a bit. And then we think, oh, we could maybe do a bit more. So we started expanding a bit more on our articles. So if we did a group BB test and we'd write about it, instead of just sitting down at a desk and telling people, we'd actually go and just film it. You know, and they, and they were the first ones. You know, we started looking at what what's the standard stock range of a UK legal AG and all that sort of stuff. Um, but for us, it was almost um, at that point a MythBusters style of thing. Mm. We've we've heard this or we've read this on a forum. My my AG can shoot eighty meters out of the box. Oh, can it? That's interesting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> S off meters. <laughs> S off meters. Or or light or light BBs get there really fast. Okay, <laughs> do they? I don't know. Cool. Um, you know, uh, and, that, and that sort of stuff kind of kicked off. So we started, rather than using it as a way of expanding on the article, we started using it as a way of just do this first and then write an article about the episode, which then goes into the magazine. Um, so I've got, I've also done a lot of kind of coaching in my in my past. I've done some, I do triathlon, skydiving, less about that said the better, probably not, but it's great, but you know. So I've jumped out of planes and taught people how to jump out of planes and I've done triathlon and cycling and taught people how to jump. So my kind of way of presenting has always been that kind of coaching, informative explanation kind of way of doing things. So I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a trained media person. I'm not, I'm not a drama. A lot of the other channels I see is very much kind of media savvy people or much prettier than me being, being all controversial. And we've never done that. We've always wanted to um, well, the, the tagline is facts, not fiction, and that's always kind of been the way. Let's talk about the facts. People can make their own mind up. Mm, yeah, definitely. After that, and I always think that's a really valuable way of doing it. I mean, I'm an engineer, so it's really fundamentally I'm an engineer and a coach, and that's the way I kind of approach most of these things. It's just sharing your findings, really, afterwards. Yeah, really, yeah, yeah. And also, you know, you you got and people need to understand that. And we've kind of done some of the group BB tests I've done with Phil Bucknell from Clearwater Airsoft. You know, a really good guy. And a very similar kind of frame of mind. These are the it's always been these are the results we've got on this day out of these guns with these BBs. Your results could be completely different. Mm. Really, whatever hot rubber you're using could make a completely different result. And what, what, one of the really funny things was, you know, we would have, we, we'd never really knew before. I think we did we shot the video four or five years ago, and people had never really talked about what was the range of a stock UK legal AEG. Just didn't you know? Didn't know. And we kind of went, maybe about 50 metres. And then when we shot a video down at the jail with Justin, who very kindly let us on, so we kind of windless, found some space. Well, oh, 55 metres. And then suddenly 55 metres started getting <laughs> talked about all over the place. We started seeing forum posts. Oh, it's 55 metres. Oh, really? That's great. Nice if you link your source, but hey, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's always been a very kind of, yeah, fact, facts-based um approach to doing things problems problem solving i like solving problems and i like that kind of approach to things really and, mm. and with a bit of MythBusters in there because i've always quite like that oh that's 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 an interesting myth are you sure yeah challenge accepted <laughs> <laughs> james c says how have you not heard of aat ah oh, james is a is, yes james has been a uh 
firm fan for many for a few years. And the Mythbusters of Airsoft is a very apt description of your channel. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, Nick says, uh, where do you find ideas or inspiration for your videos? Um, quite often reading reading forums. So you'll jump on now, you know, now defunct UCAC and, and other such things, but you'll read, you'll get annoyed reading discussions of people talking absolute nonsense. You're like, well, fine, well, let's, let's go. Or you're like, well, that's an interesting proposition. So let's go and do that. And that's a lot of the kind of the range the range stuff that we've done. Um, a lot of it is just stuff we're really passionate about. We're both, we're both Gadget and me, very passionate about kind of historical and, and retro airsoft. Mm. And also mm. um, remembering where we came from, you know, over, you know, I've got stuff over here. This is from C2R, which, you know, I've got a really good relationship with, but that's thousand pounds worth of kit. Right. Um, that's not, that's not a, easily attainable for a lot of people coming into the hobby and we need to understand that there are much more budget-friendly options and actually i think some of the retro and historical stuff particularly with british military surplus is much more easily obtainable it's 100 mm, quid you get yourself sure. a load get yourself a loadout that's that's fantastic for most people's needs unless you're kicking down doors at a sterling event as, as conti continuously for 48 hours is absolutely fine and actually doesn't and it doesn't really matter anyway at that point um so we've really kind of gone for that budget conscious sensible stuff as well and and just trying to get people spend your money wisely has always been kind of at the forefront of our minds you know we're both we're not made of money but i think it's important for people to not waste money on on stuff they don't really need to and that's that's kind of been a an inspiration as well mm. Mm. yeah i mean it is it is i, I love an army surplus shop it's you can't nice beat it in there no, you can't beat the smell. smell. We, we spoke yeah. about it on an episode, didn't we? We, we wonder if you could get a potpourri with it, it's got a surplus store um, smell to it, just to put in the living room. <laughs> just canvas and oil stuff like that. Mankey green surplus, yeah. My partner loves it when I bring home more more mankey green surplus. I remember oh, once I wrapped oh, a, a brilliant. Dutch army Dutch army tent. I unwrapped it, been shrink wrapped up for delivery. Just opened it in the living room. I was like, oh, she was like, good god, that's a body. <laughs> Danny says it's the best smell. It is. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> totally agree. Uh, so you obviously talk about the um, the loadouts that you do and the sort of the love of historical stuff. What what would you say is your uh, your favourite era that you've that you've done, or or perhaps just favourite era that you haven't done? But, but you know, in, um, in terms of your loadouts and things, because so, I, I know you've done sort of like Vietnam and um, Falklands and stuff like that. So the kit I like personally like the best is uh, 90s British uh, or 90s US. So we're talking uh, that kind of um, Gulf War One, Black Hawk Down, very early Gulf War and uh, Global War on Terror. That was 2000s, but it still kind of runs in. Um, and potentially because that's the kind of the first books that I started reading as a, as a young adult, Bravo, you know, Bravo 2 Zero, which, was, which is complete nonsense. Yeah, exactly but, the same as that. But it's still like... You know, it's you know it's pretty much fiction, but lodged in here somewhere. Um, Tears of the Sun, uh, Black Hawk Down, obviously. You know, my favourite movie probably of all time. Mm -hmm. um, that kind of stuff. I really, really like that era. I like that kind of make do and mend stuff that the guys went through. You know, I've done a couple of carbine AR carbine builds, and I kind of like almost the duct tape and jubilee clips and all that kind of stuff rather than these days brilliant you know you can buy a m4 variant of your choice 
and and stick a load of picatinny rail and strap stuff to it back then they had to i've had to you know to build the stuff i've had to do i've had to 3d print stuff myself mm. to get to the point where i can build those things I, I, I really like that i just i think it's that kind of adapt and overcome attitude that they had at the time including brother two zero if you look at the kit they were using it's completely inappropriate for the environment they were in um, <laughs> absolutely yeah. it's really or you know they were world war ii desert smocks because the kit just didn't exist. It's rubbish. A lot of the guns they were using were completely shot out because they hadn't had new kit for 30 years. They're, it's just awful, you know. But I kind of I kind of quite like that in terms of it doesn't matter for me as an airsoft over a weekend. It doesn't really matter, does it? Plus I can always go down to the cafe and have a bacon roll. Whereas you couldn't mm. really do that when you're trying to do E and E in Iraq and Syria. Um but it certainly wouldn't be a bacon roll, would it? But... <laughs> um, <laughs> So actually, I'm closely followed, probably closely followed by the '80s, and again, that's got that kind of that kind of same 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 kind of vibe to it. It's um it's not 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 really great kit, but it it kind of does the job. It's also, I mean, '90s kit is also cheap, mm. like really cheap. It's getting slightly more expensive now. '80s kit is actually getting quite expensive to get to get good kit, but '90s kit is also seriously cheap. Mm. Um, I remember you seeing one of your videos as well, watched recently with regards to the sizing as well of kit, like where it's like more of your your average Joe sort of size here. Um, it, that's tending to get more expensive now because more people want it, whereas there's a lot smaller sizes are remaining sort of like at the cheaper end. Yeah, if it, well, if you're going for the, so the Falklands video, we're, we're kind of, mm. which is the most single most popular episode on the channel. Um, a lot of that kit now, I mean, Gadge's on the larger side of normal. I'm not saying he's a big lad, but he's you know he's pretty slim. Um, compared to me, I'm much bigger, so he can still just about get kit. I can't realistically. And if you're looking for Falklands era um, windproof smock, 180 quid, 200 quid, um, and they're generally wrecked as well. Mm. Luckily, um, there's a couple of companies now. Uh, what price glory? Uh, are starting to do re reproductions, which is brilliant. In and because they're American, American sizes, brilliant. So we, <laughs> hey, so, we, so we can get that stuff and, and actually for a weekend it's brilliant it's liberating it's also much lighter you know this again this stuff over here and i've got plates and we've got steel plates and all sorts this is i love this stuff but you know if i want to run around in the woods and have a nice time it's much nicer wearing a belt kit and a windproof smock and some tropical trousers mm. <laughs> it's really quite much more pleasant <laughs> Uh, have you got another question to answer? There's, there's hundreds sorry, of my coming in the chat. Going so... Rudy Gaga tonight, so. Oh, excuse me, do apologise there. There is some good ones. I'll, I'll do a couple of things, statements. So, uh, you can never go wrong. Uh, Terry says, Tom, no beer today? Yes, beer. <laughs> so, this is a uh, Northern well, that's Monk. A dark brew. Yeah, Northern Monk, Lankara, I'll probably butcher this name, Northern Monk, <laughs> Lankara, Bakra. It's a patron's project, so it's a collab. So it's a uh, vanilla chocolate and cinnamon stout. It's very, Ooh. very, very pleasant. It is 9% though. Yeah, so that's, need, not, that's not a session to... beer, is it? <laughs> no, it's need to be a bit careful. Um... <laughs> so, no, Tom, what I was going to say to you was, what was your first sort of event that brought you into like, doing like the... Um... We sort of thought we'd oh, I fancy got doing the weekends, but the mill sim. Um, we did event sort of thing. so. We going back to probably 2003, we did quite a lot with Sterling. 
Um, before then, there wasn't it wasn't really Milsim didn't exist. It wasn't really kind of a Milsim battle sim skirmish kind of scene. It was more of a we called them weekenders, mm-hmm. and it, and you you went for a weekender, and it was heavily 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 themed. Um, so the first event I did was an Iraq invasion game at Sterling in Krakow, which is they don't really don't use anymore. I think it was like the Welsh. Someone will probably know the in the chat, like the like the Welsh Guards base barracks, the ex Welsh Guards barracks. It's the if, if if you watched any of the SAS Survival Secrets, it's the facility they they, they use to film all of that stuff. Oh uh, right, okay, yep. Which you probably you might well have seen. Mm. Um, it was, it was that because that they filmed it all there because with with Shouty Man, Eddie Stone, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. And it was an Iraq game, so uh, was, we were we were dressed in flecton because that was our team. <laughs> Team team camo at the time, so we we were the Iraqi Iraqi Republican Guard dressed in flecton or whatever, whatever you want to handle that. But we looked different to everyone else who was running around in in NATO kit, so that was all right. And, um, and that was and they were and they were you know full on full on immersive long games, you know, game on, play till six five six in the morning, and stop. Uh, we did some games, so we also went to Sunny Bridge quite early, two thousand five two thousand six. Did some really long weekends in Sunny Bridge. Before night vision was a big thing, with some people running around with Gen One Russian nods that got burnt out as soon as you like flicked an LED torch at them. That was always quite entertaining, <laughs> and then moaned about it for the rest of the evening. Like, well, what we're we supposed to do? Let you shoot us? <laughs> Need to see you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, could you so, do you mind looking down so I can turn my torch oh, off? That was ridiculous. <laughs> the moaning that went on. We're like, really? Well, I did one game at Sterling at Catterick. And actually, this is a bit later on, and a lot of the a lot of the guys had like some quite posh night vision by that point. But we went to Screwfix and got a load of like builders, uh, builders lights, yep. and, light and, panels, and a, and, a, and a and a small Jenny. Nice. So we lit up the top of the people will know it, the multi-story tower in Catterick, and we so we had a Jenny in there and like big builders lights running off it, and people were trying to attack us at nights with their nods on, and they just obviously we couldn't. We lit the square up like. <laughs> There was some moaning. There was some moaning about that. But fair, fair play, the staff went, well, well. It's tactics. What do you want us to do? What do you want us to do? <laughs> go turn your Jenny off, you know. Yeah, yeah, you're not you're not fighting fairly. Turn your generator off, please. Yeah, we bought £3,000 nods. Yeah, well, we spent 100 quid in screw fix and we sorted. <laughs> <laughs> Priceless. <laughs> so is, so you're basically, you're, from what sounds about that, you're sort of a weekender. Uh, from the off, then from the offset, not so very yeah, very, yeah, very quickly. We, we we kind of linked up quite quickly and, and got involved in that scene with those guys. You know, I knew a lot, knew a lot of the old the old the old Sterling guys, mm. um, and they used to come up and play at first and only. So I helped. wasn't me that owned the business, but I helped help help run and set up first and only it, the business itself in in Matlock before Jamie Forrest took it over. Um, the kind of the original first and only site, and there's a lot of people in the UK industry. That remember first and only Matlock. Um, it was at Wildstone Woods. It was quite an influential site because we ran very even for skirmishes. We ran very theme heavy games. Mm. Um, we didn't have any. There was no respawns. Wow! Even on a skirmish day, sort of thing. No, there's medical so, out. So you, what it sounds like, you're almost doing like a battle scene from the off thing. From, yeah, without without, without knowing. Yeah. Mm. So every every skirmish had a theme. It was basically whatever war movie we watched that week. <laughs> <laughs> or book with red. I remember doing Operation. I remember doing Operation Certain Death, Op Barris, which is the um, British Army and SAS in Sierra Leone. 
That's right. Yeah, and the um, um, I remember that Irish guards had got taken hostage. Was it or Irish? I think Rangers. Yeah, but yeah, Rangers or something got taken hostage. And then the yeah. UKSF went in. It's, it's a fast. It's I've met a few of the guys that. Mm. We're There's on, actually we're a good the, documentary on that. I can't remember what channel. There, yeah, I met a few. I met a few of the operators that were on the op as well, and they. Oh they wow, had some, they had some interesting stories about it. Um, mm. Yeah, we checked in with a couple just before we did the video, actually, just to make sure we weren't talking absolute nonsense. Um, so that worked out really well. <clears throat> but that's, that's really. So I remember reading that book and went right, fine, let's go and run. So if, if it, we were running hostage negotiations, even at a skirmish, what we would we would now call this is like 15 years ago that we'd now call a skirmish day. I remember asking. One guy for a donkey and a pepperoni pizza. <laughs> That's what I want. Then it went wrong. So we used to do that a lot. I mean, fight, but you got to bear in mind this was—it wasn't a particularly commercial site. So a lot of the stuff you see now is—I totally understand why site owners do it because they've got to make money. Mm. It's really, you know, we did a, We did a live stream. I did a live stream with Dan from ATRG a while ago. About quite you know, a month or two ago, we were talking about how to make airsoft better. But bear in mind, that's airsoft better from our perspectives. I was talking to uh, Matt Skirmish, who runs the Midland Airsoft Fair, and he said he really enjoyed it, but no, <laughs> he needs to make money. And I was like, yeah, well, that's what we said in the video. These are all lovely ideas, but ultimately, you need to make money. So yeah, we were yeah. probably running, we were probably running battle sims at a skirmish day back back then as well. Heavily themed, weren't really too worried about ammo limits at that point, but we were all running mid caps and just kind of. As a marshal team, and hoping that would trickle down to the to the to the punters as well, and they're generally pretty good. But it was pretty cool. They would invest. We, we said we're going to do Vietnam next month. The guys, I'm sure the you know the quality of the kit wasn't what we'd expect and hope for now, but they were on board. You know, they were great. Although well, we're going to do. You've got a crowd that's willing to sort of you know put their hands in the pockets mm. and chip in to make it look. Yeah, it did. Certainly yeah. Bar, it's good. Didn't have to spend a lot to get most get most of your way there. You know. Mm. People, you know, it's ridiculous. It sounds people were going buy black pajamas to do VC and a, and, a ch and a chess rig, and that was fine. Didn't cost that's them it, a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess that's probably where a lot of the stuff. That's actually interesting. Just I've only just made that connection. That's probably a lot where the kind of the loadout stuff from our perspective has come from. It's come from that, that kind of a kind of club community. This is what we're going to do. Here's how to do it on a really economic basis, and just make it look really good from ten feet away. Mm -hmm. or, the, or the other side of that tree, or the other side of that fire break. If it looks good from from 20 meters away it doesn't really matter because you're immersed and you're in there and then mm. for me it's all been always been about immersion it's i don't like yeah. i don't like the word realism it's vietnam the pictures will be black and white with a bit a bit of lens flare you know <laughs> i don't yeah well I, I don't really like the word realism because i think you can't one i think it's a bit disrespectful for veterans anyway and mm. so you can't be realistic because we're not firing bullets at each other but i think we can get immersed into that kind of scenario and immersed into that kind of game mm. Yeah, sort of yeah. trying to get as close to it as you can, sort of thing. I, I love immersion, like the whole live action role play stuff and like that. You know, if if you the more the more the better in my mind. Um, yeah, some of the events where you've got NPCs and that to get taking part. And I mean, some yeah. of the ones they do at Octo and that you've got some of the characters there. I mean, it's just, it's brilliant. It really is good. And it, like you say, it only adds to it. Only adds to your experience of it and other people's experience. How you engage with them? Yeah, you know, it's good. Stroking Doctor Evil's cat and stuff. It's uh. <laughs> it's <really> good fun. <laughs> Phil Robinson asks, uh, still no, no cover channel. No, mate. Well, we did uh, <laughs> we did a video talking about um 58 pattern webbing. And Gadge Gadge was talking about how he's had some Rolos. And I was like, no, in the British Army, you don't have Rolos, you have chocolate covered caramels. Chocolate -covered caramel. <laughs> <laughs> 
So that's where that comes from. No yeah, that's my, one of my uh, favourite meals, the old school British Army ration pack with the um, chicken curry in the little brass tin. That's probably the best tasting curry I've had out of a rat pack. But obviously you can't get them now. It's dog, donkey's <laughs> years old. <laughs> I you can't about rat packs. get them somewhere, can you? Well, yeah, you probably can. You probably get them, whether you want to eat them or not. I'm sure they'd be fine. To be honest with you, I reckon I'd, I'd eat one if I could get one. Well, bear in mind, all that stuff was commercial off the shelf, pretty much. Mm. You can still, mm. if you if you go to the, I'm going to call it the old person's aisle. If you go to like <laughs> the old fish, per- fish paste and stuff. If you go to the old person's aisle in the supermarket, all of that stuff will be there. Brilliant. So you can still get it all, pretty much. You can still get like the the beef stew and the baby's heads and the and the nasty sausages and like the the, the chicken the Vesta chicken curry and all that. You can still get it all. Oh, maybe not. Curry. Maybe not in the same. Maybe not in the same kind of packaging. Yeah, but you can. Get, you can pretty much get it in a roundabout kind of way. It's still there, <laughs> clinging <laughs> on. <laughs> Nick says, "How long on average does it take to put one of your videos together?" It's really difficult because they vary so much. So they can take. Um, they generally take a lot less time to film than they do to edit. And then so a range a range trip, you know, if we go into the range testing a gun, you've got to get everything ready, charge everything, do everything. You're talking about a day to get all your shit together and charge everything and make sure you're on you've got everything packed and ready and ready to go. Uh, we'll spend about four hours at the range, even though you'll see about two minutes of it. Um <laughs> And then we'll get and then we'll get back and I'll probably spend do, do, do a load of B-roll and all that sort of stuff. Um so probably three or four days, realistically. Um, not full time, but some stuff like the Taiwan gun videos take about a week. Mm. Yeah, they're, they're the most involved stuff I've done. Um uh but yeah, six five, six days easy. Um if we if load out videos, day of filming. Just getting to the site, sorting yourself out, filming, getting back about another day of editing, and probably about one or two days and being engaged trying to work out what the hell we're going to do, who, which bit of the loft is it stuck in, whether we need to order any stuff in, which is you know difficult as well. Let's, do we really need to find those really obscure boots <laughs> for the sake of spend fifty quid on a on, on, on a video, which is going to make us ten quid each, and not and not worry about it? Um, so. But yeah, so probably probably anywhere between anywhere between two two to three and 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 four days. So what you just said there, Tom. So do you actually find yourselves when you're doing a review to review kit or um, a, like a, sort of a historical episode, if you like? Do you find that you're you, you're actually you either you or Gadge are going out and actually finding kit for specifically for the video if you haven't got it in your own sort of personal stores? Um, yes. So yes and no. A lot of the stuff we've done already, we've already had that so we have gone out and got stuff. And we have to be again where the budget comes in. Mm. You know, we don't make. So I, I am ad supported by YouTube, but realistically, I make 100, 100, 150 quid a month on YouTube, which doesn't doesn't cover the doesn't cover the cost of the channel, realistically. Mm. Um, so as soon as we buy something, and if you're looking at that stuff, like the the historical stuff, you can easily spend blow all of that in two seconds on a shirt. So you're not going to imagine how much how, how which, which, you can which again partly partly helps the budget conscious stuff with the loadouts because we just can't do it can't afford it unless get you know some of some of the stuff gadget's got he's already got is you know his uh, british air landing video which has done pretty well which is world war ii arnhem stuff he already had that stuff from reenactment but that's a there's a thousand pounds worth of stuff in that plus a 400 quid diac early enfield so you know well, if we were to buy if we were to buy that stuff now we just could do it 
So we're very blessed. We both of us got fairly large collections of mouldy green surplus, and that kind of helps out. And so from the, so that, so that's Gadge's um, sort of background. Is it from a reenactment put, yeah. um, perspective? Is British Army World War Two? Well, he he's yeah he's done he's done a lot of reenactment stuff. So he's, he's um, World War Two up to kind of Cold War. Right. Okay. So he's done kind of um, Commonwealth, Commonwealth from World War Two up to nineteen eighties. He was a serving soldier. He served for um, a couple of years as a as a as a regular and, and mainly as a reserve in the nineties. Um, so he doesn't really like touching that era because that's his. Yeah, that's see, understandable. That's his stuff. He doesn't. He doesn't really like talking about it. You know, he's quite. He's a very modest guy. He doesn't like talking about that sort of stuff. And actually, he never. As far as he was concerned, he never deployed. So, he's mm. always quite modest about it. Um, but also because he, that's when he was in, he doesn't really like doing that sort of stuff. So he leaves it up to me, really. Um, yeah, that's yeah. fair enough. Yeah, that's but he, but he does have. Also, he he did the very very popular, probably the most popular column that SF Action Magazine ever did, which was Warriors. Um, and he his hobby is really collecting militaria, so that kind of helps. That's what he likes doing, and almost speculating because stuff goes up in value. But that's that's his hobby. His hobby is collecting militaria, which is obviously really helped the channel because he's got we've got yeah. some really we've got some really it's obscure must be a stuff. fast collection. He's got yeah, it's quite big. I mean, we're probably not going to do the West German border guard video anytime soon. <laughs> that we will because there's only about three people that are actually going to be vaguely interested in it. Um, and the kit is absolutely horrible. Really, it's like it's like it's like some weird weird fetish bondage. World War Two German grey gear with, nice. loads of, with loads of buckles and snaps. It's really not very pleasant. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> well, sounds very Mad Max to me. That does. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's really, it's, really, is quite strange. Maybe, I mean, maybe that might be the most popular video you do yet. You never know. <laughs> you never yeah. know. You never know. I've just, I've just seen a picture from Afghanistan. There was a there was a Russian diplomat. Um, and he had a bodyguard who appears to be wearing a head to, head to toe leather suit. You're like, really? Okay, that's quite. So that's probably a bit niche, but yeah, never say never. On the skirmish field near you, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, only fans. Yeah. <laughs> um, Baden Powell says, "Found that British Paris mock for you, Tom." Thanks, Baden. Thanks, mate. Yeah. That's brilliant. Uh, Empire Airsoft Limited. How comes the guy on the top left doesn't have a beard? Yep, cool. Thanks, mate. <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> yeah. uh, Grey Fox says, AATV, I loved your sciencey video you did on heavy ammo versus light ammo and time to target. People still believe that anything heavy is too slow. I think that's one of the interesting things. You know, we'd heard, that's a really good point. We'd heard all sorts of stuff about fast, you know, light BBs get there faster. Or heavy BBs, you're accurate, but they're really slow. And I was like, I don't, I literally don't know. Mm. You know, the end, the, the kind of engineer physicist in me tells me that conservation momentum probably comes in, but at what point? Um, it's actually one of the one of the videos on the channel, and lots, lot of people have seen. But I think it's one of the almost, I'm probably the most proud of, ironically. Um, and we literally got BBs from 0.2 to 0.36. And I shot them at distances between 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 meters. And using the editing software, I was able to time the, the time between the, the, the shot and using the attack sense targets. Oh, I do want to pick up oh, attack sense. the archery range, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I want to pick up attack sense. They'd be an amazing supporter of the channel. But because of those targets, we could show the time between the flash of the target and the sound of the shot. And I could just 
check it in in the editing software and we just found out what the reality was the reality was that anything over 20 30 meters heavy bbs get there faster 0.36 even out of a stock aeg will get to 50 meters faster than anything else so it depends on your engagement distance if you're doing cqp at 10 meters doesn't matter use use whatever if you're shooting through woodland at 50 60 meters use the heaviest bb your gun can lift mm. and i'm a big proponent for that because one of the things I don't like about airsoft currently is the amount of BBs being fired. One, I think it's dangerous. I think, you know, if someone if someone loses their iPro or an iPro gets hit with eight BBs at rapid succession, you don't know what's going to happen to them. No, so yeah, how, how rigorous is the testing of them? Do you know what I mean? That's a whole Stop. subject I could go into. I've done I've written articles about it. Yeah. Um, but I think people people tend to let people tend to think about best case. Oh, what if I take a round from a sniper at 50 meters, my iPro would be fine. Well, it's not really the case, is it? You could go around a corner, someone's letting rip with an HPA gun with 35 rounds a second, and you could get 12 BBs in your, in, in your iPro without, without any trouble. goes back to my times, kind of a design engineer at Games Workshop. Mm. Um, so I think you, you know, using, using heavy ammo and firing less and being more accurate is the way, is the way airsoft should go, really. But again, it's not commercial because you're firing less BBs. <laughs> yeah. You're not selling as much ammo, are you? No. So, so but, it was, hot problems, but it was a really interesting video, and and you know, you could just I I'd know I didn't know about it. I don't know, don't know if anyone yeah. had probably done anything on it before. Probably someone has done it, but on a forum, but whether it had been done in kind of video format. But you could you could just see that the heavy ammo was, was just you're like really wow that's amazing. But it was just conservation of momentum, which is yeah, heavy beat yeah. So I. If you take anything away, shoot the heaviest shoot the heaviest ammo your 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 gun can lift efficiently without losing too much power, and you'll be happy days. Oh, but, but um, is that the video I watched of the last week? Now, forgive me if I'm, I'm probably going to cop this up now, but so that it's the heavier BB, it gets the target quicker, but you won't get the distance on it, or is that inaccurate? No, you'll get probably get more distance. You get more distance, and it'll get there quicker with the heavier BB. Uh, over about 20, 30 meters, yeah. Right. Okay. Um, as long as your gun can lift it, yeah. And by yeah, that, yeah, by yeah. that, by that means you just need to use a chrono and check your jewels. Yeah. And as soon as your jewels start going, you're like, fine, it can't lift it. Mm, and mm. Uh, or 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 you can just physically see the fact that it just can't, it just can't do it. You see the range yeah, dropping. You'll just see it just drop off. You just see it drop off. But with a really mm. good hop, um, that'll be fine. I've got my 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 Marie Mark 18 can can shoot three sixes out to 75 meters. Nice. Yeah, um, that's what I run three sixes in my DMR. Um, yeah, and I'm and I'm, sh- and I'm shooting out of an AG. Yeah. Um, it can't, I, you know, that's harassing fire. Realistically, I'm shooting. Realistically, I'm going to expect to hit it's 50, 60. But it almost feels like cheating. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a tactical advantage, isn't it? You yeah, know, ultimately, I mean, like people wear ghillie suits for the the camouflage enhancement. You know. You obviously mod your guns to try thing. and get the better range. That's the only thing I think is obviously the engagement distances for airsoft rifles. I mean, Christ, you can get pistols that outshoot a rifle. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like for the I'm not saying to say realism, but for accuracy, if you like, you know, it should be like the longer the barrel, the bigger the caliber. Yeah, it doesn't work. I mean, it, but it obviously doesn't work for us like that. Do you know what I mean? So. Anything ever about anything ever, anything ever about six inches, it doesn't really matter. There you go. Um, <laughs> but that's, that's, that's the quote from tonight's episode. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, just that picture, like that. <laughs> six in- I think you have a six inches, and it doesn't really matter. No, um, but yeah, no, it's a bit, it's a bit of a weird one. 
And again, that's why you see these weird, which I hate, absolutely, absolutely detest all these weird AAPO1 carbine pistol horrible thing builds. You know, I want I want immersion. I want to use a rifle that I've seen in the movies or a real a real a real army uses. I'm not interested in in space guns and that kind of stuff. We're getting yeah, yeah, strained yeah. strain dangerously into paper into paintball there. But I also get that the sport has moved on. And and that's and that's where we are. And the and the influences on a complete tangent. The influences now are no longer realistically movies and books. They are computer games and and that kind of stuff. You know, it's 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 bizarrely cod cod in real life. That's it. It's, essentially, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But there, there's space for other stuff. But that, healthier that's... Call of Duty. <laughs> <laughs> probably, probably just as much. Probably just as much caffeine drinks. But yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, is <laughs> the element of burning it off. That's, that's, the, that's the good thing about it. But I'm way too old and way too slow for that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's, just, it's just not going to happen. Uh, Silly Gilly says, has the max range of stock AGs changed over the years? Um, probably not. Only in terms of power. So Marui's in 2001. Most guns in 2001 were doing about 270, 280 FPS. So about 0.8 joules. Um, and they were doing about 50, 45, 50 meters. Actually, it was quite civilized because it didn't really hurt very much. Um, and then all the kind of China clones came in. So the first kind of classic armies and JGs. And then the power was doing 400. And then we needed to sort that out pretty quick because that was getting a bit silly. So we kind of the the 350 rules came in. Um, but realistically, no, the most 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 hop units that most stock guns come with are pretty crap, um, mainly for cost reasons. Mm. Uh, and they tend to do 50, 55 meters. Because the, the hot rubbers just aren't efficient. The other issue you get in the UK is we're quite a small market. So the hot rubber, and because we're dead, because most of our stuff is lower power than Asia, the hot rubbers are too hard and our temperature is too cold. And the hot rubbers don't really perform very well. So we just don't get very good range out of our stock guns. You can change you can change a hot rubber and a couple of elements in a, in a gun and get 10, 20 meters out of them, put heavier ammo in. Um, but we just, we're a small market. It's just not worth people changing too much. So Tom, when going back to obviously when you first sort of like broke into the to do an airsoft, you know, about 2001, 2002 ish from going the games workshop team. Um did you sort of notice a change in the airsoft scene? Like did it suddenly obviously it was quite small back then. Was there just a sudden explosion of other companies thinking, Christ, we need to get in on this? Or was it has it been sort of like a gradual build up over the years that you've seen new companies coming in, or was it was it just sort of a sudden like, wow, you know, this is airsoft now? It almost it was very kind of grey. It wasn't official. Airsoft didn't really exist. In the, so prior to the VCRA in 2000's Violent Crimes Reduction Act, which was like a Labour's flagship thing about knife crime, and Airsoft got lumped into it, um, Airsoft didn't exist as, as an official entity at all. It was just some weird thing that people did. And it was almost a kind of a club network. You had to almost be invited. Mm. You had to know someone who said, oh, this is a cool thing happening. Do you want to come along? And bear in mind, this is pre-Facebook and pre-YouTube. So that stuff wow. didn't exist. So that's, it literally that's... essentially was word of mouth sort of thing. Yeah, it's, pre- it's pre-social media. There were bulletin boards, um, some forums. But unless you went looking because you'd heard about it, you wouldn't know. So realistically, two things happened. This is the VCRA, which is when all the legislation happened. And we kind of got the definitions of replicate imitation firearms. Because um, Airsoft would have been not airsoft itself wouldn't have been banned but the things we use to play airsoft with would have been banned they would not exist they would have been fluorescent yellow and transparent plastic or look like nerf guns 
Um, and for most of us at the time, I think at the moment, I'm not sure that would actually have an effect. Um, at the time, most of us wouldn't have been interested because we wanted that immersion. So that's the first thing that happened. But because there was almost an official legislation and it got recognised and it was a thing and it was talked about, almost talked about in the news as well, because we all wrote loads of articles and campaign with MPs, it became a thing. And probably the main thing that happened was YouTube and Facebook. So 2006, 2007, again, people started making videos of people shooting each other with guns and people got excited about it. And I think that's really when it exploded. To a certain extent, well, it's still not. It's still not massive. We, when we're in a hobby, we tend to think it's really important and it's really big. It's not. We're, desktop's really quite small, um, but it was certainly. It really was word of mouth, and it was almost you had to be invited into that kind of club, even though there were still commercial operators. But there was a fraction, you know, a tenth, a twentieth of the amount of sites that there are now. Blimey! Back in, yeah. back in those days, absolutely tiny, and you tend to not knew everyone, but. And it's reference. interesting you say there when you say like if you if you didn't know about it you and you didn't know someone who'd done it you wouldn't really essentially hear about it from anyone else sort of thing, and that sort of makes a lot of sense because like I only I've only started doing airsoft sort of like six seven years ago, um, but I mean if only I'd found this when I was like in my very early twenties or late teens, I'd, I'd, but it makes sense now as like, obviously I didn't know anyone sort of in my inner circle that was that sort of took part in airsoft so I wouldn't have heard about it. But good God, if I'd have found about it. <laughs> found out about it then. Jeez, I, just, I dread to think. <laughs> what this I was now. I remember that email with a link coming from actually it was probably Gadge at the time because he was at Games Workshop with me. Um, and I was like, "What? What? You get to do what? You get to wear these things and shoot each other with these things, and then you get to go for a beer afterwards." That sounds like amazing. You know, mm. that sounds like the best thing ever. Um. Is it better now? It's more popular, probably. We've got a lot more kit, and <laughs> yeah, not wrong. better, better <laughs> guns, and everything else. You know, I can I can go into grump, grumpy old man man, and blah, it was better back then. No, it probably wasn't. <laughs> Let's be quite honest. Um, but I think, uh, yeah, I think so. I think almost it becoming an official legal entity, and uh, social media is what happened, and then people want to make money, don't they? So. Yeah. Bloody YouTubers, says Silly Gilly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <made> me chuckle. <laughs> so, um, talking of talking of YouTube and the like, uh, Tom. Obviously, you know you're 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 now uh, a, a YouTube celebrity. I'm not gonna. <laughs> do you do you find that affects like when you go out and, and play, or do you find that it's not really um, much different? Like, people can start hammering you with questions when you're out and about. Generally, I think people. Ex oh my camera! What's the word? It doesn't really affect me. I do get recognised, which is really odd. It's generally not a lot, but people are oh, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, <laughs> and we tend to have some quite cool kit because it's we're different to everyone else, mainly because it's old manky green surplus. So I think we get more questions about the stuff that we're wearing because it's different to all the sea of MTP and plate carriers that and shitty g and g guns um <laughs> than most people have so we oh that's a cool shirt what's that it's like some ancient 90s tropical dpm shirt it's amazing you know or I'm, i've got some oh, you know, to most people's eyes completely abhorrent carry handle looking looking ar tends to be more kind of that stuff than actually oh anvil how you doing um 
I am I'm, I'm quite conscious of the way I play. I, I take everything. Any sniff of anything coming anywhere near me. <laughs> Even I'm convinced it's a ricochet, you know. Yeah. Just take everything. It's just not worth it. Um uh, so that that's probably the biggest difference. Is, you know, I'm just not that I wasn't scrupulous before, but I'm absolutely scrupulous about the way I play, certainly in terms of hit taking. Mm-hmm. Um and also, you know, and not overshooting and being and giving and also giving people the absolute benefit of the doubt. Yeah. You know, even if I'm screaming, going, I'm pretty sure I've hit that guy. He's 50 meters away. I'm also got to remember, I've done a lot of testing, and I know I've missed a lot of shots at 50 meters on a flat range. And he's like halfway hidden behind that tree. I probably haven't hit him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I was... I've got much better at that. <laughs> I think <laughs> I, I, I managed to hold my tongue quite well at the last event I went to, and there was, there was a little bit of that going on. I was just like. You didn't to me. You're fucking ranting and raving. Oh, no, to you, me. yeah, yeah, yeah. You said a message. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I, and I might go in. I might go back and say, all right, you know, just, just, just be, be aware that guy is a bit maybe. Um, mm. I guess one difference is site site owners will talk to me. How are you doing? How's the game going? All that sort of stuff. Um, do you not? Do you ever, ever ever joked and got like a little black book out and just gone? Mm. <laughs> no, but I, I, I <laughs> have to. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I've, I've been at sites and I've said, you know, I think there's 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 too much overshooting going on, or it's getting mm. a bit silly, and there's words have been had, or it's gone on to semi-auto for a game just to calm people down because mm-hmm. there's a bit of, and I, you know, I'm not saying it's just a bit of influence. You're like, what's going on? You're like, oh, I'm not entirely sure this is going very well, guys. Let's not to be big-headed, but you know, I think that's probably probably one of the biggest things I've noticed is my opinion is sought. By the people running the site, maybe a bit more. Yeah, but but, fair enough. You know, have been doing it for such a long time. You know, you've been. Well, I've, I've, it. I've run sites. I've run games. I've run. I've run stuff. I've marshaled. I've been a head marshal. But generally, I think just giving people, giving people the benefit of the doubt. I see a lot of people yeah. going, "Oh, you know, you see it all the time, don't you? Oh, I'm hitting him. I'm hitting him. You know, mate, you're 50 meters away. You're not hitting shit. Not, with... <laughs> <laughs> not through that bush. <laughs> it's not a real gun, mate." That's it, yeah. Them Kevlar bushes again. <laughs> and even so, just just calm down. I just go just go twenty meters that way and, and play somewhere else. Mm. It's a big site. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about that guy. It doesn't matter. Yeah. You said before the show that you sort of feel a sense of responsibility as well. Um with the way that you portray your channel and, and sort of the things that you talk about on there. Yes. Yeah, so I think one of the most profound things that ever happened to me. I, I'd reviewed the, what was it? Well, a thermal site. I forget the name now, but amazing bit of kit. But it's three grand. Um, you know, th- and this thing can see through bushes. It's quite quite amazing. You know, you can see through doors with it if the door's thin enough. It's really, really quite incredible bit of kit. It was helmet mounted. Um, got it from Scott Country. Um, and I was at an event, I was at a kind of industry day at, um a site doing a kind of a theme day i was talking to a guy on sitting on top of a watchtower and he was like oh, i bought that because of your review i really like it and i was like oh my god okay he <laughs> <laughs> spent three and a half thousand pounds because i said it was a good bit of kit well at least he, so, at least he was grateful for it he wasn't just sitting there like winding his right hook up i was 30 feet off the deck so i'd have been in real trouble wouldn't i um <laughs> 
and I think I'd, I'd, I'd always try to present, I try to present products and let people make their own opinion up. So here, here's are the facts. This is how it operates. This is what it does. Mm. You don't like yeah. it. That's fine. That's up to you. Um, and often, and this almost comes from being a designer. When you design things for a living, you often don't, you very, very rarely design for yourself. You always generally design stuff for a target market. And I kind of feel that way about reviewing. You very rarely review stuff for yourself. You need to bear in mind the target market or other people that review it and just present what it does because it's a big responsibility. I can review a gun, people buy it. Mm. And that's four or 500 quid easy. Or a bloody thermal sight, three and a half thousand pounds. Night vision, 5,000 pound night vision because I've said it's decent. And I think that's a big responsibility. And if you don't take that responsibility serious, then you've got no place on YouTube. Mm. Yeah, um, that's a fair comment, mate. Absolutely. I think I, I take that extremely seriously. I don't, you know, there's been stuff. I generally don't slag off stuff, um, but also it doesn't get seen. So there's been a fair bit of stuff I've had and used, and I've sent it back with feedback, mm. rather than me going this is terrible. If, if it, I guess if it's dangerous, I would probably say something about it. But it's, and it's not happened a lot, but it's been a few things that have gone back. I've got like, this is just not good enough. And and you got a diff, you know if you do slag something off, let's be honest, right? You're never going to get anything to review ever again, mm. unless you buy it with your own money. Um, and I'm not in a position to be able to do that financially, so I will provide full feedback to to, to a manufacturer or shop about if something's not good enough. But yeah, big. I feel I feel I do feel big weight big big weight responsibility mm. with regard to stuff that I review, and it's why I take longer than most people to review stuff as well. I don't do unboxings. No. <laughs> Yeah, here we go. It's a box. Great. <laughs> and then read the read the read the specs off. What, what you're learning? <laughs> you could have gone on a website. We know we know Tom can read. Yes. yes. Like, really. And he's a bad band at opening boxes. But um... <laughs> I've, I've, I've still got to finish my my TM MP5 A5 review. Hmm. But I don't have enough magazines because there's a shortage. I haven't actually been able to play with it properly yet, so I don't know. I've had it six months. Oh. Yeah. Same with us, though, Mike. We've always said the same thing. Like some of our own kit that we do, we that we mention on our on our shows that we do. We'll only ever mention kit that we've we've used. And was it no reviews till it's been used and abused? Basically, it's been sort of like hmm. our, our mantra for for our kit. And it's stuff that we've had for two, three, four years. You know, it's been, we've had it out at events. You know, I'm not saying it's been used day in, day out, but it's every time I've gone to a an airsoft event of overnighters or whatnot, that's always come along with me. It's, it's always served its purpose quite well. Um, and it's done what it's, it says it says on the tin. So you know, I'll happily share that because I thought, well, you know, like this cup for example. You know what I mean? This is my go-to mug now, like every day of the week. I've got this with me in my bag with a coffee in, and it's you know, and it fits in an ammo pouch as well, which is even better. You know, stuff like so that. My favorite, my favorite bits of kit is a thermal, yeah, thermal flask for my ammo pouch. Oh, it's got to be done. I like it for the trigger action and the fact that it won't leak. It will not leak. <laughs> and it's got a trigger action. You haven't got to unscrew it or anything like that. It's just there, ready to go. <laughs> There will be a full review written up on the website later this week. <laughs> he's, um, he's already sent it to me. I've just I'll got to get it uploaded. To he's just got to put it together and upload it. Sinigini <laughs> uh, asks, what's the wrongest loadout that someone has brought to a theme event? The I've never seen anything particularly terrible. Um, I get a little bit annoyed. At just some, Sometimes when it's a 90s game and they've turned up in MTP or... Um, Two, clearly 2000s kit. So it's really not that hard to go to an army surplus store. But if you don't know, I can read contract dates because I'm a nerd. Mm. 
So I can read the contract. I can read the contract number on on most British kit and tell you what year it came from. Um, so I guess that's probably my fault, our fault for not putting an episode up on that. Um, I've never seen any particularly bad uh, at a themed game. Um, sometimes just a bit of a lack of effort, which is a bit of a shame. And the organisers put loads of work in. Sometimes we're like, oh, come on, guys. Mm. But maybe the loadout guides should be better. It's partly why we did the loadout series. Well, like... I remember once it wasn't a theme game, but I remember a bit. It was just a normal skirmish Sunday at, um, at Apocalypse in Sittingbourne, and um, sort of quite a, 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 someone who takes part in weekend events going to a skirmish day. You, you, you sort of forget that it's a skirmish day, so you still were on that sort of weekend mindset, sort of thing, trying to be tactical and advancing and this that, and the other. Sort of laid up in this bush, looking at the village at APOC, nice and quiet, and all of a sudden Deadpool just went fucking tearing past me, just like smashed the bush that I was hiding behind out the way, and I'm just like. That's Deadpool. Deadpool's going to sort it all out for us. Let's not worry about it. Time to go for coffee. Right. He's just, yeah, he's, he's just going to run an dual wieldy. He's like, ah, oh, motherfucker. <laughs> I was like, oh, there goes Deadpool. Yeah. So I guess, I don't know, it'd be nice for people to pay a bit more attention to. But again, like, comes but it's like it was each to their own. You know, it's a skirmish day. It's skirmish like, you know, day. You can, it's you fine. Darth Vader versus, you know, whoever. You know, it's just one of them. A Crusader knight come running around the corner with a rubber it's sword. Flip sure, yeah, whatever. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, probably sex toys used at skirmishes as close combat weapons, mm. which I'm not not cool with. It's probably it's probably illegal for a start. Um, yeah, just just a little bit of decorum. You know, yeah, um, it's I'd, not I'd say so. just because you're just because you're some massive neckbeard virgin. It's not funny to charge me down with a ten inch black rubber cock, mate. Yeah. <laughs> It's quite scary, I'd have thought. <laughs> it's quite, that, that thing could, you know, could do some damage, man. <laughs> Talk about gentle I've tap on the, the, the fist one as well. I've seen that one <laughs> so, been stuck on so, the end of a rifle. Just uh, something just seriously gone. wrong in your life if you don't entertain it. So you're going to sell yours, Mike, now? <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was. So there was a little bit of me that's just thinking. Not saying a word. Been, I've never I can seen see that, but I would quite like to see someone with like a, a fist on, like a fist bayonet. Um, but I think you're right. I wouldn't want to see that at like certain events. Like I don't. Maybe, maybe the occasional skirmish. It might be amusing for like two minutes. But uh, I mean, I've seen rubber chickens and that used. Um, what was the ones that um, Topsy had that actually made the noise? So you could squeeze the chicken, chicken, wasn't it? Yeah. Squeeze the chicken and throw it. And as soon as you let go of it, it just uh, it's horrendous Wah. noise. It made, but hilarious. <laughs> Uh, Kieran says, uh, question, you've stated that you are a fellow collector of Rhodesian kit. Is there any plans to make a video about it? Also, what happened to Webbing Walk? I've got a bit of Rhodesian kit. Um, Video-wise, probably not, because it's expensive. Again, I could do a Rhodesian kit. I'd have to spend about 300 quid, and I'd make about 20 quid. So unless I was doing a game... Or a game series that was set in Rhodesia, so you know, Bush Wars. Um, I probably wouldn't go down that line. Uh, webbing Walk is interesting, people really liked our Webbing Walk. Um, the reason we did Webbing Walk was because of lockdown. Um, so one, I set up a business, so I started a limited, I started a, a sole trader business. Um, and then we were like, How can I actually see my friends? So webbing walk was how I could see my friends in lockdown. And we both had uh, 58 webbing and we thought we'd just go for a wander around the local nature reserve. We haven't seen each other for like two months for the obvious reasons. Um, 
we quite enjoyed it. People seem to really like the video. I'd like to do another one, but there's always kind of something else which gets in the way. I'd like to do like a, a series of them. So uh, yes, we, we will get around to it. It's just it's kind of not a massive priority at the moment, but people seem to like them. So it's definitely it's definitely there. But it also involves gadge buying things. So again, it's one of those. <laughs> well, it's not as much gadge, but it's you know again it's. Is that, gadge, have... is that gadge being forced to buy things for both of you, or if you just label gadge as the purchaser of things? <laughs> no, I mean, I, I've, I've got some. Like so the next one we want to do is ninety-five uh, of PLCE. I think I've got, yeah. I've got, I've got, I've got, a, I've got a set. Gadge doesn't have a set of of PLC. He's PLC that he's happy with putting on camera, which is part of the point. So if he would then have to go and spend. 30, 40, 50 quid on PLC webbing to do a video, which is going to make no money because YouTube doesn't make YouTube even at 10,000 subs doesn't make any money. Mm. Um, so it's just not, not economic. We will get around to it at some point. Um, but we get, you know, it brings up a point. We get asked all the time to do stuff and they're like, well, who's going to pay for that? Can you review this gun? Yeah, fine. Buy me one. <laughs> yes, send it my way. I'll be happy to. And I'll have it for five months. And then fine, you can have it back afterwards when it's trash and I've taken it apart. Um, but <laughs> which is part of my deal with you know, going back part of my deal with Tyrone Gun when I started working with them was yeah, but I need I you need to give me the gun. That's part of the deal. Mm. And I'm gonna shoot the shit out of it and I'm gonna take it apart. So it's un, it's unusable for as a commercial item afterwards. And I've had a couple of shops go, Can you do can you review a gun for us? Yeah, fine, but you can give it to me because I'm gonna shoot the shit out of it for two months and then I'm gonna take it apart. Mm-hmm. And they're like, Oh, can't you just put it back in the box and give it back to us? No. Because well, that's a nice <laughs> review then, mate, isn't it? That's a totally yeah, honest. Because what, what we talked about earlier, it's just that's not that's just not good enough. Because mm. because that gun's gonna go straight back on the shelf and you're gonna sell it to people. Just not cool. Mr. Meat, he's changed his name. Mr. Meat, it sounds weird, Wayne. Change it back to fresh. Um, we'd like to say a big thanks as your Falklands vid really helped him out with his power build. We've got another one coming from that era. Ooh. And when we get some when we get some weather, um, we've got I'm like seriously backed up with stuff at the moment. And I've not put a video out for like the last two weeks because we've got a backlog of stuff. Loadout vids and range vids. I've got four guns that need to go to the range. I've got loadout vids coming out my ass at the moment, but um, we, can't, we just can't get we can't get anywhere. The weather is awful and has been for two months. It's rubbish. It's, it's been rubbish. absolutely absolutely shocking. Um, so trying to coordinate a time when me and Gadge can get together when he's not working and then get to um, an interesting location to shoot a video. We used to do them in the garden, but they look they look way better when we go and shoot somewhere else. So we're like, if we're if we're, if we're forced, to, and again. The loadout vids came about because of lockdown. We're like, what can we do? Well, we can sit and we can go outside in the garden and we can talk about these clothes that we've got. Um, happily, they've proved to be really popular. But mm. um, So the next Falklands one, it's not necessarily Falklands, but it's more kind of like 1980s recce, recce SF. So I've got some kind of, I've got some, I've modified my 58 webbing and I've got a replica chess rig and some other kind of cool kit. <clears throat> so we can do a kind of recce SF 80s loadout. Nice. Because the Falklands one was very much straight up leg infantry, and this one a bit more not, not necessarily SAS or SBS, but just a bit more old sweat, cool kind of kit. Yeah, sounds good. I like the, I like the sound of that. So that being said, uh, then, Tom, what would be your what would be your uh, um, ideal event um, era loadout sort of kit? Right. So my my favourite ever event, which has sadly been stopped. Um, because of low attendance, was Gunman's 1990 series. 
set in a fictional country of Sahud, Middle Eastern country, being in, being invaded, helped out, supported by a NATO task force. Um, one we talked about it earlier. I love that era. Uh, but I also used, I used to crew it <clears throat> for Josh at Gunman. Right, um, right. Uh, so I ended up you end up if you've never crewed a game, do so. It's hilarious. It's a really annoy people. Um, <laughs> but you end up doing 17 different roles throughout the day. So it's incredibly varied. And and your role, I think I almost invo- I must enjoy crewing more now than I do playing to a certain extent, whether that's just sitting in a tent at a modern Milsim on the radios or playing some annoying date salesman. Um, or or whatever Uh, I I really enjoyed that so I think but I would let's yeah so you know in an ideal world I would love to see that come back but I don't think it will I think that time has passed but that that would be great Um, but that's like again Black Hawk Down Tears of the Sun Generation Kill that kind of era would be would be great for me I like I like I like the idea I haven't been to an Octo 8 game I think I really would like to um, maybe I need to talk to Baz and get on the crew list, or just come and play. Absolutely, mate. Yeah, I quite, I quite rarely pull the trigger these days. It's really not doesn't. I've been playing twenty one years. Shooting people kind of doesn't really interest me that much. I kind of just like what I really like doing is being outside with cool people. Mm. Yeah, fair play, and, mate, and no. camping in a forest and just yeah. t- sitting in a hammock and having a nice time and and. Almost facilitating other people's enjoyment, you know, sounds a bit weird, but there you go. Um, We've said this a lot before that, um, I mean, we're, we're trying to, subsequent to the, like the last few episodes, we're trying to sort of steer clear of the phrase Milsim. Um, so these these live events or the weekends as we used to do, you know, we, we've said this before that the, uh, the enjoyment from it is almost 80% uh, just being out with your mates in the woods, yeah. you know, eat, eating, eating MREs and just camping in. <clears throat> Really, really old battered tents. <laughs> it's percent it's, it's a huge. It's a, the shooting of an airsoft rifle when I go to a weekend event or an overnighter, as Tom's definitely named it. Um, it's a very small part of it for me, to be fair. Yeah. And it's quite ironic for the amount of money you put into these rifles. <laughs> for the little, there's I get a lot more from a lot of other things at a weekend event than I do just like shooting someone in the chest or in the back of the head or whatever it may be from an airsoft rifle with a pistol. You know, there's a, there's so many other things that come into it. You know, like the harbour area, setting up, cooking up in, of a night time and getting ready for your night ops and going out, doing bits and bobs like that, you know. And like you said, Mike, just being with your pals for a weekend. It's I, I, I really like being outside. So I've always mm. done outside sports. So I do a lot of road cycling now. I have done for years. Um, Jumped out of planes. I've camped, I've walked, I've hiked. I've done all sorts of outdoor stuff all my life. And what I really like, what I re- ultimately... One of the reasons I've always loved airsoft is just what you've said: is just mm. being out, being outside, and spending time with my mates. Mm. And it's a way, and it's a way of facilitating, facilitating that. So I think, going, you know, rolling back to your original question, what, what event do I want? I want, I want to spend quality time with my friends outdoors. You know, um, I quite like you know, urban events are quite interesting in that they have a different dynamic. But ultimately, I just like being in a wood. There's something about it for me that. So uh, an event in a wood would mm. be great. And, you know, I've, I've, I've played on MAD sites and I've played at Sparta and I've played at other places. And I just prefer being – actually, my, and my skill set is – I've not done a massive amount of CQB. My skill set is much better, much better in a wood anyway. Yeah, I'm not set up for, I'm not set up for urban. 
<laughs> I'm definitely, I'm de I definitely prefer the woods. I must admit, with a little, with a, with a, with a, with a little scattering of buildings. Yes, yes, yeah. Have that. I, yeah. I, could, I could, I could, I could, I could, yeah, a little garnish of building in the main yeah. wood yeah. wooded area. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. I mean, I've... and I go, go. Now, that's Karen. So I used to play. I used to go and play at Combat Ready in Derby, which is now sadly shut, which is like a five-story office building. Um, and that was kind of almost session airsoft. It was like three hours in intense, done on 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 a weekday night. Brilliant, you know. And I really mm. enjoyed that. You could go full, but you go full full bore mental for three hours. <laughs> come home covered in welts to the point where you couldn't sleep because the sheets were sticking to your bullet wounds. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and then be done. And I, and I quite like that. so I kind of like the contrast between that kind of short, sharp arena kind of style games. Yeah, just a quick blowout. And then yeah. actually, let's go and camp in the woods and eat eat, eat horrendous MREs and not be able to poo for like two days. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that's my thing. So get there Friday morning. Arrive Friday morning. Biscuits brown. Yeah, may have a little top up of biscuits brown mid weekend, and then I quite like biscuits brown. I, I like the taste of them. Not too bad at all. It's just um, yeah. I don't know what it is though because it will it will bind you up and you're you're golden then. Uh, but as, yeah. as soon as you put one foot over the threshold when you get home, it's like. <gasps> <gasps> Or, or if you have some biscuits fruit. Biscuits brown's worn off quick. It's all the fructose in, in biscuits fruit. Or you get about, an, you get about an hour out the motorway, you're like, pull over, pull over, next services. Next stop, services. Stop, stop. Yeah, just in the middle lane. I don't care where you stop. That was quite an interesting question you brought up, uh, Mike. So do you want to... Yeah, yeah. Well, I've got another one as well. No, this, this one's interesting. There's right. so many questions coming in. So I'm not, I'm, so I'm not going to talk about uniforms, but I'm going to talk about um, plate carriers. Because, okay, there's one here. Um, C2R, friends of the channel, great guys. Um, I think most people now, I need to go that way. Uh, yeah. <laughs> most people now seem to start with a plate carrier. And I don't get it. So it's, and I guess probably because it's on, again, COD, whatever, or people see other people wearing one. I've got to get a plate carrier. Right. Plate carriers are really terrible for load carrying. Um, and if you're in the woods, the um, and they're virtually completely pointless. Mm. And if you're in the and if you're at an event which doesn't have armor rules, it's even more completely pointless. You'd be much better off with a lightweight chest rig, or a bit of, or belt kit, or some thirty pounds worth of army surplus webbing from your local manky green surplus army surplus store. So I think to, to that extent, yeah, I think uniforms have got fashionable. I think people need to use what works for them, but it's difficult to learn what works for you when you're surrounded by fashion choices mm. so people so people go for that i'd recommend anyone just just buy a 15 quid army surplus chest rig and just use that until you know what you actually want to use and then the other thing that annoys me is plate is plate carriers without plates in them but that's one of those things mm. which you see in the movies all the time what was i watching the other day i was watching space force on netflix and the guards in space force didn't have um, plates in their 511 plate carriers and that really irritated me oh. there you go <laughs> <laughs> well, just just out of interest, what did you think of the latest series of Space Force? I didn't think it was as good as the first. Wasn't one. as good as the first one. I still enjoy. I still enjoyed it. Um, but it wasn't as good as the first one. I think they'd used a lot of the good jokes up already, or something. But yeah, I did like the moon camo. I thought that was quite good. <laughs> I've been I've been looking at sorting it. I'm trying to source some bricoflage. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm working on it. But genuinely, I, I've um, got I've got chats out with various people <laughs> about making a bricoflage yeah. back. <laughs> Yeah, I think, I mean, I think this kind of fast helmet, plate carrier, um, fight light, 
shooter's belt thing, people need to bear in mind that this is direct action kit. It's meant for bailing out helicopters or or vehicles into a building and the shooting being over in seven minutes. You know, um, that's like the lim- limit of exploitation on this kit. Um, it's not meant for bimbling around in the woods all day. No. Just, just don't worry about it. I mean, it looks cool. And if you want to look cool, that's absolutely fine. Mm. Don't don't get me wrong. You know, I'm I'm not I'm no I would never object to anybody um spending money on stuff they like. That's cool. It's a hobby. Mm. Do you want? I think the important thing though is that don't go out and buy like a warrior DCS. It's like, oh well that's that's just, what everyone uses. So just don't buy like, warrior. Try try cheaper stuff first. No, just, don't buy, what you like. just don't buy warrior. They, they they rip other people's designs off and then call it their yeah. own anyway. So just if you're gonna buy if you're gonna buy a plate carrier, either buy cheap or buy real. Buy buy cry or Pharaoh or someone. Anyway, that's just me being snooty. But <laughs> so, sit there with my two warrior DCSs behind me. <laughs> <laughs> no, my first, my first locone was a, the old PLC DPM PLC webbing set. Love it. Still got it now. I'm I, I love webbing. It, I'm getting it ready for the SEO milsim um, uh, next month, seventeenth, eighteenth, next month, March. So yeah, I'm um, rocking DPM the, for webbing for that. There are some use cases for for. For plate carriers, they can carry quite a lot of load for for heavy rig. If you're running if you're running radios and lots of gas mags and all sorts of stuff, they can be quite useful. Mm, yeah. um, I just think it, it, for a lot of people in a lot of environments, there's definitely use cases for them. Mm, mm. I'll, I'll run I'll run that C2R when I'm loaded up. Um, but I just think people just maybe not as a first purchase, just lightweight yeah. chest lightweight chest rig and just see where your games go. Yeah, that's a good shout. But I think that's more fashion than anything else. Plus M- M- MTP, <laughs> MC Bin Warrior kit, fuck it right off. There you go. It's it's well made. It's absolutely fine. It, it, it used to be it used to be a lot cheaper. So the DCS used to be quite a reasonable price, um, and you got you got quite a lot of kit for the money. You got you know it was well built, quality kit. Um, but they seem to be now at at prices that they're competing with people like Cry and Ferro. And you're like, oh no. So maybe five, maybe three, four, five years ago they were they were fine. Fine, fine, they copied other people's designs, but at least they were priced sensibly. Mm. And now, now it's got just silly money. You're like, really? I wouldn't see. I wouldn't. I've, I've not looked at Warrior for. Um, I mean, my my DCs have got second down anyhow for power mine. Who's um, who's upgraded some of his kit? Who's serving? So he demobbed. Well, he's not demobbed, but he was getting rid of some kit. So I've got that for a reasonable price. Um, but I've not. Prior to that, I wouldn't have sort of considered. I'm quite a cheapskate when it comes to kit, really. And there's a lot of. I'll, I'll quite happily get something second hand. I really. Couldn't give a toss if it's been second or third and whatever, as long as it works and it's not um, completely trashed. I'll soon make good use of it. Um, so yeah, I've not I've not really compared prices like, like like you have, Tom. I mean, obviously you've got a vast experience on the markets and how they've changed and the kit that's come out and this compared to myself. So I've not really had that experience of seeing where prices have changed like over the past sort of like four or five years, like you've just said about the warrior stuff. You know, I wouldn't have any comparison to go on. It's, it's... It's well made stuff. It's not going to let you down. Mm. Um, I just and when it was, you know, when a DCS was one hundred and twenty quid, that's pretty, that's pretty damn good value. Mm. It's, it's, it's very hard to argue. It's very hard to argue at that point. Now, now some of their products are a lot more. You, well, you can buy like you know American made real stuff and not stuff made in China um, for for a comparable price. Well, okay, depending on your politics, that kind of makes sense to me as well. Um, yeah, and, and J- James just made a point. James said, looking at Warrior webbing set, he might as well buy genuine JJ's, nearly the same money. Yeah. JJ's made made in the UK, absolutely mm. bomb proof. Absolutely. Yeah, JJ's broken, yeah. 
yeah, uh, amazing company. They make stuff for UKSF and Speed in the Jungle. In you know, fantastic mm. stuff. And then you can buy stuff, not knockoff designs made in China. Anyway, I can go off on a rant, which I won't go into. But <laughs> I just think spend that spend the money on people that designed the stuff in the first place. I've had this done when I was designing at Games Workshop. We had stuff knockoff stuff made, and it was really irritating. Mm. I can imagine. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've got a Dragon, um, Dragon Supplies Airborne kit uh, belt kit. Nice. Around it somewhere. That's a lovely. But obviously, yeah, it, it is what it is. You can't. There's no mod. You can't change it. You know what I mean? It's not as modular as like a, a Molly belt kit where you can add additional pa- commanders pouches. You know, ditch one of the double ammo pouches and add a commanders one to the right side or something. It is what that is because it's fully stitched into the belt. That's it. There's no yeah. changing. Get used to it. You know, and you know, work with it, which is quite cool. I think. Um, Let's move in um, parts. In terms of Sonic's pros, use one night vision, Tom. Um. It depends on what you're trying to do. So if you want to run around with the Gen 2, Gen 3 analog night vision guys, no, it's not going to work. Um, so Sonics Pro is a, for people who don't know, it's a digital night vision camera. I was to say this is a digital one that's so it's recently... a digital night, vision, digital night vision camera that you can press into service as a um, nod helmet mounted. Um, the bonuses they are significantly cheaper, but you get what you pay for. So if you go to a, like your local site's night game, and they run until eleven in the evening, and you want to like own your mates, yeah, brilliant. It's kind of a, you know in the kingdom of the blind, the one-eyed man is king sort of stuff. Um, you'll murder people if you want to go to. St- I'm going to use Sterling just because it's Sterling. If you want to go to Sterling and think you're going to compete with guys with seven thousand pound Gen Three Plus night vision, you're not going to. Have, it's not going to happen. It needs a. It needs an additional light vision in anything remotely dark. It needs a, an IR source. And if you're using an IR source with night vision, everyone else with night vision can see that IR source just like you'd be shining a torch. Mm. So you'll be stuffed. It works quite well in kind of a static position. So if you're on stag or you're watching or you're on guard, it works works quite nicely for that. It's it's significantly cheaper. I think if you want to dabble with that digital night vision stuff, I probably wouldn't go for the pro. I'd probably get the sport, which is a really cheap one, uh, about four or five hundred quid, and have a go with that and see if you like it before you invest in. The problem is the jump between the Sonic Sport at four or five hundred quid. And something actually really usable that you can properly run around and fight with is enormous. It's another grand at least, isn't it? Really? Well, more than that. These days, mm. you can't really get... You used to get a lot of Russian tubes. So Flair and other people used to use a lot of Russian tubes. Um, so you could get a Gen 2 Plus for 1500 two grand. You just can't do it anymore. Mm. Um, so you're looking at four grand for, for good Gen 2, six grand for... Gen 3 equivalent. Gen, it's very hard to get Gen 3 in this country. Most Gen 3 in this country is nicked off the MOD and they don't really like it very much for understandable reasons. Mm, yeah, go on. Um, you might get a phone call from police, MOD police. Um, so I think if you want to dabble in night vision, have a bit of a laugh, have a good giggle at your local skirmish site or something like Octo, which isn't particularly serious. Do they play, do they play into the night? No. I think they're looking all. at potentially doing some night stuff, possibly. Um, um, but... Some speed, so. Yeah, it just gets a bit difficult. <clears throat> I mean, the thing but, I mean, before I got, I mean, I've got, I've only got a Gen One Pulsar night vision purely for which I have still haven't yet to use in a bloody game yet because I'm so I've 
lucky enough, I've got my thermal, so I'll just rely on that. But um, I mean, I did five years without having thermal or night vision. Quite happily took part in events. I, but, at I think you've got a good point. Like I think for the same money as a Sonics Pro, I think you'd be better off with thermal. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I had to choose one, it'll be thermal. Because mm. it's just, it is what it is. Do you know what I mean? So, certainly, if you're static, thermal. You have to set a gem freeze on. If you're laying up somewhere and you're you're in cover, you, you know, Gen you're not going to get seen. They won't, won't, won't see you. If you're on a thermal. thermal <laughs> so, I think, I think to register, I think for the same money, get a thermal. Mm, mm. I would. I'd be inclined to go um, down that there's road. Stuff, there's stuff like the Wraith, which is a site I want to test from Scott Country, which I'm really interested in. Um, again, it's, it's still not going to be great, but it's a weapon site, but it also records. So for my purposes, brilliant. So it's mm. like a one a one to weight weapon site with night vision, and it records at 4K. Well, for me, that's like fucking that, smart. That, that is nice. That's yeah. absolutely brilliant. So that for me, that'd be great. I would. I think the Sonics Pro money get thermal or get the sport and just accept that it's very very limited. Oh, is that the scope that does life? We'll do a feed to a. Like you can so do a direct phone. feed to a laptop or something like that. Probably does as well, yeah. Yeah, so there's loads of loads See of that, for for immersion for a game, that would be quality, like eyes on, you know what I mean? You know, this is what this is actually live on a game. If you was given a briefing, you had like a recce team laid up with eyes on a target, and you've got like yeah. an assault team waiting back at FOB. Actually briefing and saying, well, we're gonna go like cut live now and just actually get eyes on that'd be quality, like another bit um, of immersion to it. That would be cool. So, I I've I've run my I've run my I've run my Sonics at Milsims and I've been okay. But it's not brilliant, and I think a lot. Of the, I think where Sonics falls down is a lot. Of the marketing the company put out is really overblown. In some circumstances, it kind of in twilight they're amazing because there's enough light that the sensor works, mm. and you can see everything in color. It's just fantastic. As soon as it gets dark, no. So, so that's why, that's why I kind of say for the if you're kind of like your local sites, um, local sites and night night games, they'll be, they'll be brilliant. Because it's not really dark, but as soon as it gets dark, now it's just it just it cannot compete with Gen two, Gen three. No. Uh, Terry says you did a good review on the Sonics. Thank you. I tried to be just super honest about it, and let people make oh. their own mind. Let their own people make their own minds up again because it's one of those things. Rage said he was planning on going thermal first anyway. Uh, Andy says the Sonics gave me a massive headache after about ten minutes. Couldn't use it for long at all. You just uh, have the to lag get used... due to the digital refresh rate was a killer for me. You can you can turn the lag you can turn the refresh rate right down, but I think with any <clears throat> with any device you have to get used to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I spent a lot of time walking around the house in the dark making making dinner and stuff like that. <laughs> just extreme just get... testing. Well, just, get... Stir fry. <laughs> just well, yeah, just get the time behind it. Just get used mm. to using it. Make make a cup of tea and all that sort of stuff. Just get used to the depth perception. I'm really lucky. I can run a thermal on one eye and a night vision on one, and it just works. So that's what I do. I've got the thermal scope on the on the, on the roof, and then obviously I've got the left um, hand just purely for navigation. But I can do I can do both, and then my brain works. But I can also put on um, VR goggles and not feel motion sick. So I guess I'm quite lucky. Mm. Just way my brain's wired. I can eat a carrot and click a torch. So uh, here we go. Yeah, you can do great with white light. I'll just let your eyes adjust. Yeah. <laughs> well, like we said, Mark, you know, five years I've played without NVs or thermal. You know what I mean? You just get as soon as that dark time comes down, you bit of light discipline. Not like someone comes to go, you're up, mate. Boo. We did that. We did that. The late, we did that. Latest descent. We took a load of the guys off and just said, just go and sit there quietly for twenty minutes, mm. and you'll you'll see an awful lot more than you thought you ever could. Yeah, hundred percent. 
So if you don't, if you go right under the trees, yeah, fine. But just don't go under the trees, or don't go into the building. And don't think that every shadow is someone chasing after you when you're walking. (laughs) 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 Just come running Uh, back screaming, they're after me. (laughs) Dan says, a question for Tom. You did some ration pack tests. Which was the best and worst one? So worst, easy. That was Italian. Um, And they got really really offended. Um, So I got, it's brilliant. I love it. (laughs) There's loads of ranty Italians on that, on that russian video um going about how i you know obviously the british have no cuisine and we have no taste and we're all awful and we don't understand italian cuisine and it's all just shit and um clearly i've no i don't know what i'm talking about it's brilliant love it um I've, there's a wood-fired pizza oven out there well they uh, got that, that precious over a ration pack oh yeah no it's, a, it's i love it i love the passion <laughs> totally get it but so there's there's a wood fire pizza oven in the in the garage. I drink espresso out of a quality machine all the time. I, mm. I make we 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 make pasta from scratch from flour. Nice. Um, we we get Italian food. This was just shit. It's like <laughs> I get like Italian going, food. <laughs> it's just like going into an Italian. It's like going into it's going into a Happy Shopper and getting Happy Shopper ravioli, mm. like six you know six p tin of ravioli. It was just awful. It was just it was just terrible terrible quality. Uh, but of course, you know, me being British, I can't possibly pass comment on Italian food. No, it was awful. It, it was like some ration from the 1970s. It was just absolutely <laughs> appalling. You're like, really, you're fighting troops have to go and use this food. It's awful. It's just, the best bit was the, the fruit salad tin. You know, just like you know the normal shitty fruit salad and syrup tins that we mm. get over here. I like I like that. It's guilty pleasure. Um, I do. <laughs> but it was awful as a fighting ration. It was terrible. And everything came with crackers. So the only like carbohydrate source was crackers, endless, endless. It's like, how the hell are these guys supposed to eat? <laughs> Just everything on on crackers. Everything. <laughs> it, was, it was amazing. Like, set eight packs of crackers. It was like, what? How the guys are going to do this? They're going to be like. It's just, it just especially when you're on water ration as well. It's just, really, it's just the worst <laughs> thing. And and all oh, these Italians, it's brilliant. I had to spend I spent ages conversing with them. I was like, have you have you have you, have you actually eaten this? No. Well, shut up. And um, have you actually eaten this thing? And then I had a couple of Italian Italian soldiers turn up. And went, yeah, it's fucking awful. This <laughs> is just the shittest thing ever. I can't believe. I can't believe they can't believe they made us eat this. We're like, thank, thanks, fair enough. Um, Cruel. <laughs> like, it's like you know, it's developed in the eighties and early eighties, and they just never changed it. Um, the tastiest ration is French. As you, what I find really funny is that all these, all these um, with ration packs, as all the racial, all the racial, all the national stereotypes come up. Mm. It's what happens. The, the American one's full of V numbers. The French one is cuisine but it's not enough yeah. calories in it so you get a bottle of merlot <laughs> yeah a bottle of merlot <laughs> um bizarrely the italian one's terrible i don't quite understand that and mm. they were like oh you need to mix the the coffee powder to espresso strength you're like yeah i did and it's still awful it's just bad mix coffee. it with the crackers <laughs> um <laughs> yeah. make it that thick you can spread it on a cracker um, i think but you know, you've got to, you know, it's all well and good me eating it in the house and not doing very much. But you've got to put it in perspective, of, like you've just said, mm. you don't have limited, unlimited access to water, so you can't just like, you can't, you can't just provide <laughs> people with crackers. crackers. It's just not going to work, right? It's so you got to be sensible. About how 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 is it going to work? Um, I think the best. I think the best. I've had Dutch, Italian, Polish. Polish is quite nice. Russian is quite interesting. Mm. Um, 
I think the best one's British. In terms of a f- maybe not the most tastiest, maybe not the most convenient, maybe not. But in terms of like a ration to go and do stuff all day and still be on your feet. Yeah, it keeps I, you fed I, and watered sort of thing. Keeps you fed, watered. There's interesting, there's tastes. I think the British one is, again, I'm British. So of course I'm going to say that, right? You know, mm. but also British cuisine, people love, you know, I, think, I don't think the Europeans often don't quite get how varied British cuisine now is. Yeah. Um, and the British ration pack, fine. It has sausages and beans. It also has extremely nice curry, actually. I had, mm. I had a chicken biryani once and it was like, this is one of the best bits of chicken, one of the best curries I've ever had out of a boy in the bag. Retail oh, the pack. um, what is it the Indonesian pork and rice? Yeah, that is banging. There's Especially loads of good stuff. Some of that hot doggedy dog sauce in there. That's, That's amazing. <laughs> so, what, so, so I was told this by by uh, a major from the artillery, and he said, "Well, the reason the reason the hot stuff in the curry, in the British ration packs are really good is the only people you know if you get a, like you had a British ration pack, you get that little feedback card at the bottom, which of course yeah, yeah, everyone yeah. ignores. Only people that fill that in is the Gurkhas." Really? So of course, so, and and they're quite you know they're quite discerning. So of course they're like yeah, add this to the curry. We need more spice. We need da, 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 and that all goes off. So all the curries in British ration packs are amazing because the, all the Gurkhas just keep sending them feedback all the time. Fair play. Um, <laughs> so I think if, you, if you're going to buy a ration pack, to actually, I really like, I, I really like the Russian ones. I really like the Polish ones. But if I'm going to go and buy one for a weekend, just out of sheer convenience, you can build them off the supermarket shelf quite easily. Out of mm. sheer convenience, I'll get a British one. Yeah, fair play. Nice. There's, there's, there's stuff to munch on, there's stuff to eat at night, there's, there's hot drinks, there's cold drinks, there's, it's just so varied. Mm. Right, we've got time for one more question. I'm really sorry to everyone that's asked. Well, I, I've been trying to get through them as quick as we can, um, but we'll have to get Tom back on because genuinely there's just so much going on in the chat. Um, the one I wanted to go back to specifically uh, was from Andy. Uh, what's the most enjoyable format you do on your channel? Scary. Um, the ones I feel kind of best about, and this is going to be a two-part answer. The ones I feel best about are kind of the range, the range stuff, like the myth busting. How far does BB go? How accurate is a heavy BB? The stuff I genuinely enjoy the most is Russian pack reviews, where they get no views. Um, I just find, you know, so one of them is about problem solving and answering questions and all that kind of stuff. And one of them is just, I just really like eating food, right? <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> I just find it really Wonderful thing to do. <laughs> and, I just, I, and I find that kind of national stereotype in food absolutely fascinating. It's just, we just, we laugh so much, whether it's uh, my, my uh, stepdaughter Erin or Gadge comes on or whoever. We just find it, it's just, it's just brilliant. So it's void, we get this thing particularly when it's, you know, some sealed package. We have no idea what we're about to eat. It's just hilarious. It's just a shame no one watches them, but we'll, we'll carry on doing them because I find them really funny. Yeah. Ah, cool. Well, I certainly watch them. They're very good. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, if, if any of our uh, audience, uh, Tom, want to go and find you, how can they do that? So I am Anvil Airsoft TV on YouTube. I did have the answer already queued up. <laughs> Look at this. <laughs> I do. I do also post on Facebook as Amber Airsoft TV, and I'm on Instagram as I don't actually remember. I think it's AATV underscore Airsoft or something along those lines. Um, but yeah, but mainly it's the YouTube channel. 
cool yeah some cracking videos on there working yeah. nights i get to i usually get to crack get an episode in before i go out on track so it's usually park up nice and quick get my paperwork done so like, right okay set that up on the steering wheel here we go <laughs> <laughs> but hopefully a lot more yeah we've been a bit on the slow side recently the weather has just been appalling um that's what richie for now and what i don't want to do is just knock out some nonsense on on the table and then no one watches it and it just kills your algorithm and then it's just not worth it so i'm just going to wait until time is right and we'll get we'll get some good stuff out mm. look forward to that mate definitely yeah it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show mate um genuinely go and check out anvil airsoft um because they he does some awesome bits and pieces uh both tom and gadge um i mean i know the one that got me sort of Involved in kind of watching your stuff was the um, I wonder where you'd go with that then. No, it's just something <laughs> weird. Um, was the uh, I think it was the uh, the mill sim, uh, the ultimate mill sim one that you did. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, it was fun. That was really fun to do actually. Um, which I highly recommend. We'll we'll post a link to that um, on the socials for anyone to go and watch because that that was that was hilarious. And from then on, I just sort of just started binge watching various various episodes. So no, but that that yeah. one's very different. Because that's that's a just yeah, but it does, that doesn't come naturally. That took a lot of work because I'm not a natural kind of entertainer. People probably don't believe that, but I find it. I'm actually quite shy, and I, I kind of like acting <laughs> quite difficult. We, we wanted to follow up to that. Is like the Milson morons go to a skirmish. So, oh, genuinely, genuinely. <laughs> like, so our, our Milson team, um, we were at a skirmish. Uh, I think it was like a year and a half ago now. And um, we were playing it as a skirmish. So we kind of all clustered up. We're all like excellent perimeter. We didn't move forward at any point. We just sort of like have huddled up. And we were like almost like, yeah, right, we're on stag. Like, who's, who's, is there anybody coming? It's like we spent like half an hour just like, we should probably like push forward to like where everyone's actually playing. <laughs> it's, um, it's hilarious because you see like an, a, a, I was going to say Milsim, a, a skirmish day. Like, you say, right, okay, it's like capture the flag or whatever it is. It's like three, two, one, game on. And like, whistle, busy whistle putting cream on. Whistle flows. <laughs> and like, people start tearing towards the flag. And then you can see who does Milsim. Everyone else goes, it just like really slowly moves into the bushes. He spends, <laughs> spends 30 minutes setting his radio up, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> Get the well, comms channels. Spend 30 minutes sending my radio up for me. <laughs> <laughs> so there's definitely some, yeah, there's definitely some material. Because, yeah, that went down really well. We were quite surprised. Got a lot of dislikes, but hey, what would you expect? People don't like it. Yeah. Can't please but, everyone, mate. Well, we thought it was hilarious. And then most people seem to think it was pretty funny, too. So, yeah, thanks for that. Yeah. No, cool, 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 cool. Cool. So if anyone wants to get in touch uh, with Tom, obviously you can view like, their own socials. Uh, if for some reason you need to get in touch with us to get in touch with Tom, uh, you can do so at our email, which is nofochat.hotmail.com. Our Instagram is at November Foxtrot, uh, at November underscore Foxtrot underscore nofo. Facebook is November Foxtrot nofo. YouTube is youtube.com forward slash C forward slash November Foxtrot. And you can also get in touch on our website, which is novemberfoxtrot.co.uk. Um, the last, oh, hang on, I'm being shouted at to put the link up. There you go. Um, the last comment I did just want to put up was uh, Les. So Les said, uh, I think I need to watch your channel, young man. Apologies for not knowing who you are. I'll have a mooch. It's nice to be called. It's nice to be called. It's nice, at the age of 45, yeah. it's quite nice to be called young. So thanks for that, Les. I, I appreciate that quite a lot. Well, Les is pushing 65, so it's <laughs> <laughs> going to punch me straight in the fucking face when he sees me next. <laughs> Um, 
Next week, we're going to be doing an episode on uh, boots. We're going to be kind of rehashing some of the uh, the previous stuff we've done, looking at improvements we've made. Mm -hmm. uh, so it'll be sort of boots, socks, and the like. We also have a little bit Thank of exciting you, news. Please. Yep, a bit of exciting news for next week. <laughs> Sorry, Liz, just called you a wanker. Although they are my hands, I'm not going to get my feet up here and wiggle them about. That's just fucking weird. Um, we have a bit of exciting news for next week in that we have a new regular host going to be joining us. Uh, we'll be going from two to three people on a regular basis. Um, so no no sort of secrets being given until next week. So join mm, us. And you can find out who that person is. Um and Jeff has also asked when really is Lars going to be the ending. It's Les, Jeff isn't it? Knows how to join definitely that, Les. Les is definitely coming on. <laughs> <laughs> so right, uh, frontline events. By the way, I'll I'll get in touch with you. Um, I want to, I want to get you guys on at some point as well. Yeah, Dan Dan's really cool. So yeah, well worth yeah. well well worth having a chat with him. So, cool. Right. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure, Tom. Thank you. Thank you so much. Tom. Uh, we'll definitely get you back on in the future and we can That'd carry on answering some of these questions because it's been, oh, I've enjoyed tonight. I've write, I make notes throughout the episodes. <laughs> and then, um, like, there's all these things that people talk about. I'm like, oh, I've got to research that afterwards. So, mm. yeah, no, it's been, been good. good. It's been fantastic. But yeah, so if we can get you back, maybe get Gadge on as well. Yeah. We'll do what we're Yeah, awesome. no, it'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Wicked Lovely stuff. All right. I've gone blurry. Excellent. Nice way to end the show. <laughs> right. Say goodbye, everyone. Bye, Bye everyone. <laughs> See you later. Cheers. Thank <laughs> you.